0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the Empress of Everything Green, Nellie Neal.
1: Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Baby. Hello baby. Good morning. How indeed are you today? I'm telling you, I am looking forward this this has got to be the best gardening week of all, right? What do you mean? You don't agree with me? Well we better talk about it then. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven, that is the Super Talk call line. And of course the Ceasefire text line is open to you as well, six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. My name's Nellie Neal. I'm known as the Garden Mama and the best thing in the world for me is to get up in the morning and come and be with you. Thank you so much for being gardeners, for being radio people, and really for being here. Now here may be here live today, Saturday, May the twenty first, or it may be some other time, it may be a rebroadcast, it might be a podcast, it might in fact be a on-demand download that you have taken me and put me in your pocket for a day or so. All of that's great. Anyhow, you want to do it, I'm ready for it. Let's talk plants. Let's talk what's growing. Let's talk about what's not. I've got a brand-new project to talk about and another one to update you on. Lots of uh, cool, geeky news today. And, in fact, we've got, uh, well... People, critters, and drones, the good, the bad, and the, well, I don't know. Let's start right off on the telephone today. Looks to me like Jim's in laurel. Hey, Jim, what's going on? Welcome into Weekend Gardening.
2: Garden Mama, I listen to you every Saturday morning. I love your show.
1: Thank you very much.
2: And I've got some garlic out here. I set it out last year. Got five heels of it. I got one that's. This is fully grown, so I'm tossedled out and opened up. Now that tells me that it's ready to gather.
1: Right mm-hmm. now, yep, yep, yep.
2: Okay, the others are not doing anything. They just
1: they'll be along. Two foot <laughs> 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 they'll get along this week. Mine don't all happen at the same time either. I've got. I'm doing. I'm in the midst of harvesting onions and garlic, and really, I like to just wait until they flower out and fall over practically, because that tells me that they are absolutely maximumed out and. It also gives a better product, I find, for the saving to the next planting. In other words, you don't want to harvest garlic too soon and then have it be all soft and, and not make it to when you want to plant some more of it in the fall. So I think you're on your way. It just takes a little while.
2: I gather this stuff. There's new growth coming off those cloves. I always just flick them off and go back to the ground.
1: Yeah, that's not a bad idea.
2: They grow that way. And one other thing I want to mention to you, my three-year-old jalapeno pepper plant. Yes. <laughs> I got peppers about three inches.
1: <laughs> That's wonderful. That's one of the funniest things. you you have. You, I, I went to school, all right? I was taught that jalapeno peppers are a summer crop that they are going to be ready to um, let go of and, and turn around, you know, maybe the first frost, maybe the second. Well, no, that's not happening with yours. They just go on and on and on. It's the same thing as my Snapdragon. I told everybody to take all their Snapdragons out a few years ago, and um, indeed I have missed one of mine, and it has just continued to make Snapdragons for no reason at all. There, there's just some things that continue, and we're just lucky to be there. <laughs> I, I want to know now, are you going to chop them up and eat them fresh? Or are you going to eat those jalapenos cooked? What are you going to do with them?
2: I'm just going to take, I like to take, let them get real big and split them, dig them out, fill them up with cheese, wrap them up with ten and put them on the grill.
1: All right, now with I'm that. hungry. <laughs> You've done it. <laughs> That's perfect. Thank you, Jim. It's great to hear from you today. Glad you were able to call. Thank you so much. Yeah, just let that garlic fall over. It'll take. Sometimes it takes a, a little bit longer for one than another, and other times they all just flop over at once. It's hard to predict. Okay. Okay. Staying on the phones today. Um, that's next up is Anna in Oxford. Hey, Anna. Thank you for calling. What's on your mind today? Well, I got a couple of
3: problems. First of all, um, my asparagus never made thick stalks this year,
1: mm.
3: and I have no idea why, except it may have been something to do with so much water.
1: <laughs> Could right.
3: be, yeah. um, But my son, who is in Chicago, has the same problem. Hmm. Is it just not a good year for asparagus?
1: I, I have... I only know really from the grocery store, but I can tell you that it's too thin at the grocery store. <laughs> so maybe it's a bad year for asparagus. Now, what I can tell you also is, how long is your have you been harvesting from this bed? Maybe 10 years? Oh, at least, yeah. Okay. How often do you fertilize it and what do you use?
3: Oh, uh, I don't fertilize. Um, I mulch. Uh, Heavily,
1: Okay. That's going to be a lot of nitrogen that, that sinks in there, and that, of course, gives us happy green but not too thick of growth. So I would suggest using something that's got phosphorus and potassium in it a couple of times during this growing season just so you can get it ready for next year. And I do know because I have grown asparagus myself, it gets thinner over the years, partly because it's a perennial and it gets crowded, But who in the world wants to dig that thing up? Nobody. And then the other thing is, of course, that it just runs out of phosphorus and potassium. So give it a little bit of fertilizer this summer a couple of times, and I think you'll have a better year next year. Although massive amounts of water do change the character of that. That's one reason why we put them up so high, you know, because they don't make as well when it's a very wet year.
3: Yeah, I'm on the middle of a hill, and the water just comes right down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so,
1: now, speaking we- of Chicago, my goodness, their weather's been as wacky as ours.
3: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's, that's a problem, too, isn't it? Yes. So, I, I have another problem, um, and I'm trying to look it up on the uh, Pinterest. I had or have um, a vinca vine, which has pink leaves, and it's it's really very pretty, and it's spread beautifully, and I mention it to a couple of my other garden friends, and they say, oh, that's Pinky from Texas. Well, I've never been able to find it online. They keep giving me, you know, the variegated mm-hmm. and everything else. Mm-hmm. But this year, over the winter, uh, this vine did not have pink leaves, and it's not got pink leaves. It seems to have gone back to a, like, a, a green bronze leaf. hmm hmm and I'm just wondering, first of all, I'd like to know what it is. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, it, it, it was very pretty when it's pink.
1: The, the only thing that I really know about this is that it's an unstable sport. Now, that doesn't seem to make any sense, does it? A sport is something that comes off of a plant. For example... Um, the, the variegated leaf hydrangeas that we like that are r- very pretty was a, were originally a sport of a green-leafed hydrangea. But because it was a stable sport, we were able to, in turn, take that off and propagate it and turn it into a full-blown plant with its own name. In my understanding, and it's real slight here, so somebody's going to probably correct me, and that'd be great. Um, pinky is a, an unstable sport. It's something that happens in, in there's a, there are a couple of things that also do this, but you don't see them because they don't stay that way for too long. And that's the only thing that I know about. I would continue to, you know, maybe put up a group, a Google alert or whatever your browser is that you use AVG or somebody, whoever else it is, but put up an alert so that if there's news about it, you get it. And I would certainly go to the Texas A&M Cooperative Extension website and and you know wander around in there because the place I know about it, I'm pretty sure it's from Greg Grant, but I can't tell you that definitely because it's been too long since I saw the plant. Yeah, it's been um, pink for um, like three years. Yeah, now, mm-hmm. this year. it's just one. Guess- well, sometimes things don't don't hold over the like. In other words, if you find that sport today, if you find if you go out and find. Um, A banana shrub, the banana shrub tree, you go out and find one that has a particularly interesting pattern on it or even something that's already patterned, like let's say crotons. You go out and you find one that looks different from all the ones that you've ever had. And so you keep that, all right, and you propagate it, and it propagates a couple of times and then it reverts. So it's not stable. It's still an unstable sport of that original plant. However, if you propagate it, and I think you probably have to do 10 generations before it actually is considered stable, um, it, it, it's just one of those things that doesn't. Plants are just so dynamic that sometimes they change, and that's, of course, why when we get that pink cluster of leaves, or when we get that particular, um, sometimes you'll see people have done this with with uh, house plants. They'll get an odd marking on a dracaena, and they'll start propagating that particular one just to see whether they can keep it, and that's how we get some of our best plants.
3: Well, I, I was wondering if I cut it back.
1: I wouldn't. Uh, I would yeah. not. I wouldn't. Dip, I would not even hesitate. <laughs> I would cut it back and just see, <laughs> especially if you don't like it with green. <laughs> so. it, it's boring. <laughs> yeah. See? So
3: and it's spreading. So it, it, it's. Yeah. Very, uh, very invasive. Yeah.
1: So why not cut it back and and just see what happens.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for your.
1: All time. right. We'll wait for the update. Thank you, Anna. Good to hear from you today. You know, there's so many things that we do in our gardens. Well, here's one that I did yesterday. I have a Carissa holly that has a perpetual – there's no reason in the world to be cutting this plant down except that it has a perpetual leaf spot on it that I feel like I can't ever get rid of. It's been there for years. And I love the new growth on this plant. So I said yesterday, yesterday, do this. I went out and cut off all of the mess. It looks really nasty this morning. But the new growth at the bottom is beautiful, and I think because the other is gone, now there will be more sunlight, perhaps less fungus. We shall see what we shall see. Oh, that's nice. Succulents. It's so wet outside. I'm going to advise you this, as a matter of fact, before I even look at your your, your questions from um, what's going on. <laughs> Ken from Memphis. Hey, Ken. That really looks nice. It's going to be real, real wet this week in many, many places. So watch your weather forecast. If you have succulents in pots, you may want to put them under the porch or bring them in the house or put them on top of the washing machine or do something with them because a lot of things are going to be able to get really, really um, very, very wet this this week in many places. If you look at the, uh, you know, I know not everybody's crazy for the Weather Channel like I am, but if you just watch it every now and then, you get the chance to see What all's going on? And this is a wet week ahead of us. Sandy's in Alabama. Should I remove the deadheads from my rose bushes? Absolutely. Go down on that stem. Go right down to where the first five-fingered leaflet is. Right under the rose, there'll be three leaves coming off the little stem. Go a little bit lower to where there's five little leaflets in that leaf and cut right above that. That's where the next, um, next flowers can form most easily and if it's not a reblooming rose it's still a good idea to do that pruning when they're done even if it's a once only blooming rose because that shapes the plant so either way if you get more flowers that's great and if you don't that then that's okay too but you do need to have um have an opportunity to give give them the opportunity if, even if they can't do it let them try <laughs> i have a feeling that most roses are uh, the ones that make the best hips I think are not rebloomers and that's because it takes a long time for that one um rose hip to actually get going. Oh my goodness, there's a lot of uh a lot of um swapping <laughs> swatting going on. <laughs> yeah, some my neighbor came across the street and said, "Are they at your house?" I was like, "Well, no, not today. But yeah, I understand gnats and horse flies. You know that this is this is the time of year when I'm I'm really I'm I'm very happy to tell you this because I love where I live and I love the 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 weather in the South most of the time. But I'm I'm going to tell you that it, this is when we literally begin our perfume becomes insect repellent and sunscreen, and there's just no question about that, uh, no doubt about that. I have been uh, I've been surprised lately at how little little there are in in people's minds about sunscreen right now. We've had so many things to worry about, but you need to worry about that too. Okay. okay. Speaking of uh, mosquito repellent and Texas, the AgriLife Research folks at Texas A and M have really given us something to think about, and this this is a particularly interesting piece. You know, if you make changes, if you do um, genetic modifications, the biggest complaint about them is not how they come out, but it's what goes on before or after that, Um, for example. If this doesn't work, if the genetic modification doesn't work and you put the cell into the tomato that will repel some insect and it actually messes up the tomato, how do you undo that? Well, the question is, how do you undo that? And the issues have been examined for a long time because you have to be able, really in science, you have to be able to prove something, but you also have to be able to understand when it is no longer provable, okay? In this case, what happens if you genetically modify mosquitoes And and they overcome it. They they adapt around it. And that's really what we always worry about in terms of pests, that they will just adapt to whatever we've done. And that, in turn, makes the wild population much more dangerous to us and can't even wipe it out at times, but more often just makes it more dangerous to us. So what they're doing is making a temporary genetic alteration to mosquitoes that will basically... Stop that man! Help the manage the population and help stop the vector-borne diseases like our friend West Nile virus. Without permanently alternating the wild population, so that they can compare the effects on the two of them, and also so that in case it doesn't work, we're not into a middle, we're not in the middle of a problem that's going to get bigger over time. So I think that's pretty smart. Sissy's got. Um, I'll have to look at this again. It looks like dog fennel, but I'll pull it up closer during the break, Sissy and. Um, but in the meantime, look up dog fennel and see whether you think I'm right. I'll have to get a bigger, a closer glance at it. I will take care of it and see. Let's see, where are we? Well, let's. We might can talk to Greg. I don't know. We may have. He may have to hold on. Let's see. Greg's in Nettleton. What's going on, sir? Hey, Greg.
2: Hey, yard I had a uh, question
4: for you. I'm- on the back forty here, got a tree come up, and I'm thinking oh, a water oak or something. But anyway, here lately it seems like this thing starts shedding, and it looks like I'm serious. It looks like it's snowing outside, and I've got them. Um, I mean, don't leave your winters down in your vehicle; they'll fill up. That's, that's fun always. But anyway, uh, uh, I was just wondering. Um, What have I got there?
1: I don't know. I don't know. You need to send me a picture. Can you do that on the text line? I'll see if I can't figure it out. It's good to hear from you. Well, okay. Well, thank you. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not sure what would do that. It could be. As simple as a tree that has that sort of flowers, you know, we got a couple of that have that sort of thing that sheds. But if it's an oak tree and it's shedding, I need to be able to look and see what's making that happen. So send me a photo, and I will be glad to help you figure out what's going on. Today is going to be an interesting day in my garden. I have two or three things that I need to do before um, it, the, the weather changes at my place, which will probably be tonight. Um, I have I have so many of the. I have so many things outside that I'd rather have inside if it's going to be bad. But you know how it goes. Time gets by. Temperatures get hot. The next thing you know, it's raining, and we gardeners just look out the window then. In fact, we were set up for the fall because guess what? It was nice last week. It's going to be hot. It's going to be rainy, at least at my house. Let me know what's going on at your place here on Weekend Gardening.
0: Eight six four three seven five two. We all reach tipping points in life. The weight of a low-paying job, unpaid bills, a new family,
6: you can't keep going. That's where My Computer Career can help. In just months, not years, they can help you start a new life as an IT pro, even with no prior experience. Impossible? You learn online from home, and My Computer Career offers lifetime career services to help you find jobs with companies begging for IT pros. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu This is Joe Rooks. Create your own Skag Zero Turn More Package and save big at Rebel Ace Hardware and Rebel Outdoor Power. Pick your Skag More, pick your trailer for as low as $97 a month. And for just $10 a month more, you can add a steel, trimmer, blower, and chainsaw, plus 0% interest. Skag is rated the number one brand in America among independent dealers. And Rebel Outdoor Power is Mississippi's largest Skag dealer. Learn more at RebelOutdoor.com and Facebook. Rebel and Skag, brands you can trust. (laughs) We'll be right back.
0: The
7: Thank you.
1: For some reason, my headphones are trying to eat my hair today. I don't know if my hair is to fly away this morning or what, but every time I put them on, it pulls another spot out of, uh, and I think I'm going to be bald by the time I get out of here. Anyway, welcome in to Weekend Gardening. (laughs) If you're looking in on the video today at supertalk.tv, you can look and tell whether or not my hair is falling out or not. I think it's just being pulled out. I don't really think I've got a big problem, but good grief, they don't fit today for some reason. Who said this? If the bee disappeared off the surface of the globe, then man would only have four years of life left. Presumably that extends to women as well. No more bees, n- no more pollination, no more plants, no more animals, no more man. Or in my case, no more humans. That was Albert Einstein. Now you realize that in those in that day and time, and I was raised to believe that we used the term man as a catch-all for everybody. Not so much these days, but but it was acceptable then. He was not being he was not being mean or being ugly. It was just the way the language was used then. I am uh I'm gonna tell you about the plants that I am working on for a new project in my garden as we go along today, and probably for quite some time because this is gonna be a big deal. I have been asked to um work on a demonstration garden for pollinators. And, of course, you know, I believe that part of what we do for pollinators is not tear up stuff. Other things we plant, but some things we just leave and let grow. So today I discovered that coming up in one of my containers is a pokeberry, which you may know as a pokeweed plant. I have two or three of those in the back part of my garden, but I'm going to bring one out front and center. And and since it's happened to have popped up, I'll be able to use it. I've got a trumpet vine going up a tree up there. There are a few things like that that I'm going to take advantage of. Another is, and frankly, I've done this forever, is to let some of the clover continue to live so that in the wintertime, Yeah, I I don't want it all up in the lawn, but down by the edge of the street or up along the edge of the driveway, a patch of clover here and there is very helpful for the bees as they're looking for something to eat in the wintertime. So today I'm going to tell you about one shrub, one perennial and one vigorous So <laughs> We'll get into that today. Talk about all of these things. 888 637 is the super talk call line here on Weekend Gardening. You can also use the C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Y'all are so sweet. Um, do I need to bring in my hydrangeas if, if the, for the weather? No. I said as long as your pots drain, they'll be fine. Succulents and cacti are really the only things that are likely to just get overwhelmed. And I'm not going to bring in my night-blooming cereus, even though that's in the cactus family, because they're in very good... Um, very well drained soil and they're all up high. So they'll just literally drain out. And I, I will have to go back and you will need to, too, go back and fertilize a little bit afterwards, especially the container plants. Um, it's, it's important to do that. I am looking for and will be gathering um, sources for some, one of my very favorite abelias. I, I grow the little abelias, the dwarfs, as a, a kind of a colorful, almost ground cover because they're only a couple of feet tall. But I want a big Edward Goucher. Um, Edward Goucher has red tips, red, red buds, and then it out of the tips pop out pink flowers. These are the best trumpets in the summertime for butterflies and for everybody that comes around in, in the pollinator world. Um, a lot of what we do in the pollinator world, of course, is the way that we maintain things and the sustainable nature of that, The not using pesticides, not wiping things out not ripping everything out and trying to have a, a completely denuded site when we think about that a lot of times in a farm area we will let a, a row or two go by in other words um, let them not be cultivated for a while well you can't really do that in your urban garden but you said therefore you have to be aware of what needs to be dug and divided and what needs to be moved and what needs to be picked up so all of those things make sense and I'm i'm going to be talking to you about them as, uh, as the, the weeks go by, I'm really looking forward to it. Here's some also big news. I don't know if I'll be doing this and probably can't do it myself, but from the University of Florida, you know anybody there? Well, of course you do. Everybody knows somebody there. Scientists have for the very first time grown plants in soil that comes from the moon. In other words, not just go up there and take a little teeny tiny sample and come down and see what's in it. They have brought back enough to collect it, during Apollo 11, 12, and 17. How long did they have to let this stuff sit around? Well, quite some time. They wanted to know, of course, if plants can grow in lunar soil, and if so, how they would respond here on Earth, all the way down to how they are how they're built, what their genomes were like, if they were changed by this particular soil experience or what. The point of this, of course, is always to be able for us to understand how to grow food when we're not on the planet Earth. I don't know how to tell you all this, but the replicator is not a real thing yet. So so we still have to be able to grow some food. Oh, my goodness. Plants have always played an important role in working on this particular form of science. but. In this particular test, this is the first one that we have done before and I'm I'm very happy about it. You might wonder, well what in the world did they decide to grow? Of course they decided to grow Arabidopsis, <laughs> the same thing that we test everything on. Um, you know, or um we talk about Arabidopsis being so so generically like other plants. And that's why we test things on it and in this particular case, well, they did it. Um, interestingly enough, because we know about soils it's interesting that it was uh the soil from the moon is fine and powdery and sticks to everything well that doesn't sound like it would be very good does it however the seeds sprouted in no time at all and that's that's really cool all of them germinated they're very happy about that so they're working on now the next report will be of course did they damp off did they get stretched out? Did they grow? You know, did they do this? Did they do that? And, and we'll find out. We'll hear all about it because they're more than happy to tell us. Ooh, Gloria's in Clinton. Her gardenia bush is just absolutely magnificent this morning. I'm I'm so fond of that flower and the, the smell of it as well. It just has so many good memories for so many of us. Really fun to talk, fun to hear about. Um, and gardenias, of course, are one of those things that, those those of you who have trouble growing them get really angry at all the people who say, well, I just never do anything. <laughs> and some people don't do anything to them. Other people struggle always. It has mostly to do, frankly, with the place of, that you've put it. And morning sun is good. Later in the day, it's not so necessary. And can, in fact, sometimes wear out the plant. And by that, I mean cause it to grow so fast and use up its fertilizer that you have to keep at keep taking care of it but in morning sun gardenias tend to do very very well you also don't want anything up touching next to it simply because this is a plant that needs good air circulation around it and through the plant itself but probably the most important thing is the pH of the soil gardenias are like hollies and camellias and azaleas they are acid loving plants so if your soil is not suitable for pine trees and camellias and those other things, it's probably not going to be too great um, for growing gardenias either. Much of the soil in Clinton is perfectly suited for that. Much of the soil in many parts of our country are suited very, very well for that. I have been um, very excited to get so many requests for the container gardening advantages sheet, the, the one sheet, see it's right here, <laughs> And if you want it, just send me an email, mama on air at com. It'll have the soil recipe as well as the way to adapt my potting soil recipe for um, raised beds and notes about how to water a pot because, believe it or not, you may not know how to do that. A lot of people don't. It's not just you. From University of Texas at Austin, we seem to be staying in Texas today for some reason or another, but the news is all good. I'm not sure what an enzyme variant exactly is, but I know that it's an enzyme that has varied and produced a spinoff or a sport that they can keep going because the engineers and the scientists created it at UT Austin. Why? Why do we need another enzyme? Don't we have enough enzymes? No, we need this one. It breaks down (laughs) what they call environmental throttling plastics. That That means plastic in the environment that can take centuries to degrade. This enzyme takes them down in a matter of days. Do you know how important this is? This is so important. This is so crucial. They're publishing this week in uh, No three weeks ago, in Nature. And I'm surprised that no one has picked this up and just run with it as major national news, although we do have a few other things to worry about. It focuses on the polyethylene terephalphamate, which is the, the polymer in almost every bit of consumer packaging, all right? I don't care whether it's a soda bottle or a, a, a cookie box, a cookie bag, you know, that sort of stuff. The um, I, I'll confess. I don't have room for a whole watermelon in me or in my refrigerator, so I do buy boxes of pre-cut fruit. Those boxes have this stuff in it, too. Oh, no, it's true. And in some cases, they just don't ever degrade. However, the good news is that this particular enzyme variant is doing a beautiful job. There, it's, it's, it, they, they, They're mutating it. They're causing this, this thing to mutate, the natural thing to mutate, And eventually it allows it all to degrade. And that's just brilliant. Um, They've been, they've tested it on more than two other, two, more than 50 rather of the plastic containers. And only a couple of them have not taken to the project. So this is a really large development and one that I know you'll see lots more about. Um, I don't, I don't have anything in the stock market, but I can see where somebody would want to. Oh, this is beautiful. Just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. What a gorgeous garden. Um, and I don't know who this is, but I'll go back up here and see if it, see if you told me. Thank you very much. It's in Madison. I'm getting closer. It's those Cherokee. Okay. Yes, it's Jimbo. Hey, Jimbo. <laughs> I had to roll back up to see who you are. The garden looks great. He says it's his wife's garden. I like the raised beds. They're really good-looking, just beautiful. Whatever you're doing in your garden, this is the place where we get the opportunity to talk about stuff, both the things that we like and the things that we don't like so much about what's going on in our gardens. Um, I don't know that I will... I, how many hours do it, can I watch Dune in my life? I've already spent weeks reading the books and hours watching the first one. I mean... But I want to see the other Dune because there's people in it that I think could do the roles very well, and I'm always interested in another interpretation of classic stories like that. But I don't know if I wanted to know this. Uh, there's, there's um, th- Now we've got news from the desert that's telling me more than I know, want to know about these things, and it does apply. Cornell University, you wouldn't think Cornell University would study deserts, being in upstate New York, but they are, and they, they have some really good history about this since the early 2000s, a project with French researchers to talk about the moisture content in sand dunes to try to understand... Basically, how we'd managed to turn arable land into sand dunes over the time of cultivation. How did that happen? And that's what they're studying. We don't actually know the answer. But it turns out that just as we thought and just as Frank Herbert apparently knew, the wind goes over the dune and that creates an imbalance in the pressures. All right. That forces air in and out of the sand itself like a lung. That's right. The sand is breathing. Holy moly. Did you want to know that? I don't know if I wanted to know that, but it's important for us to understand it. This is what allows the microbes to actually get in and out of the sand dune. Otherwise, it would be an inert substance, and it's not. Okay? Really amazing. High temperature is part of the reason that they want to study these things. How do how do creatures, how do critters, how do organisms react at very high temperatures and what does it take to provide an environment where they can so that's some of what they're working on Um, it took them a decade to make sense of some of the findings can you imagine getting up every day and going to work for 10 years trying to figure out what it is that you found out oh my goodness that's tough stuff very tough stuff I don't know that surfers are considered scientists but Interestingly enough, microscopic life does attach itself to surfboards. <laughs> and so <laughs> the phytoplankton, for example, uh, and, and so many other things, the, 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 the near shore waters, for example, where you would be surfing, generally have the highest levels of phytoplankton. And why, why not? We need to know. So I can see somebody out there with their little swab kit. Excuse me. Excuse me there. Surfer dude, can you come here? I need to su- I need to swab your surfboard. I need to find out what's growing on it. Do what? Yep. Yep, that's right. Just like every science experiment ever begins, somebody asks a question. How come? What? Why? When? Can I figure this out? Well, that's how you do it. You do a little research and you find out. Stick around. This is Weekend Gardening.
0: asleep. Looks like he's
2: dreaming. Man, I can't wait to hang up my
0: team mascot.
3: <laughs>
0: I-, I think he's having a nightmare. No. This is just part of his lesson plan. He's trying to show
6: us
8: that calling Mississippi 811 before you dig is so easy, you can do it with your eyes closed. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries.
0: save up to 25% off your first year at lifelock.com with promo code NEWS. It's time to transcend the ordinary and expect more with Mazda of Jackson. Right now, get 1.9% financing on select 2022 Mazdas in stock. That's right, 1.9% APR on select 2022 models which will save you thousands in finance charges and the all new 2023 Mazda CX-50s are arriving. Buy a new Mazda and Mazda of Jackson will take care of your first year's maintenance at no cost to you. Shop right now at MazdaofJackson.com It's our mission to give you great deals while Treating you like family every single day. Plus, you can buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty from Mazda of Jackson. Our incredible credit team will work hard to get you approved. 100% credit approval is always our number one goal. Bring in your current vehicle, and we'll buy it, even if you don't buy a new one from us. Don't overpay for your next new Mazda. Get to Mazda of Jackson today and transcend the ordinary and expect more. Where nobody walks away because everybody saves. Visit our state-of-the-art facility located at 5397 I-55 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call. 991-2222 today. MazdaJackson.com. See dealer for details with free credit on select models.
9: And cut the food and look,
1: all over. For the person who sent me try, um, a not so pleasant email now, about using this song soon, because it now, refers to things that, that this person doesn't want to think about, uh, I got to tell you, look up the Carolina Chocolate Drops, and you will discover a world of music that you don't want to know about. <laughs> in that case, <laughs> it's some magnificent tunes, though some very old, very country, very. Very lovely tunes to me, things that uh, they do so well. They do better than anybody else. And There's some, there's some other news to be had about that, but that we'll go to that another day. Let's see. Um, Corey in Batesville wants to know what to spray around the rose bed to keep the grass out. Um, he's a farmer. His wife loves the roses, but she doesn't like snakes, and he doesn't really have time to weed the bed. Okay. Well, here's the deal. Weed the bed once and then put down landscape fabric mulch around all the plants and then put on top of that an inch and a half of some kind of mulch, ground something firm, ground bark or something like that, and you'll have many less weeds to pull. You can certainly use, there. there's a natural guard, um, kills everything, herbicide in a spray bottle there's also all the glyphosate products you know in other words you can get one from either end of the spectrum from the natural sources or from the not natural sources but either way you do it they're still going to grow back or different ones are going to grow I should say so after you get them out of there and frankly pulling them is the most effective way then get landscape fabric tack that down in that whole bed not black plastic all right Water can't get through black plastic. Landscape fabric. It's black. It's woven. And the water goes through it. And you put that down cover that up. It also helps to suppress weeds. But it also helps you not have to water so much because it holds water into the bed and then mulch on top of that. Okay. That's the way to do that. Beautiful, beautiful plant on the uh, C Spire text line from Elaine in Houston. Japanese Spirea. That one looks like Anthony Waterer, and uh, it's in bloom at my house right now, too. I love that plant. I like Japanese Spireas anyway, but that's a particularly good one. Papadis. Yeah. Papa D's out here busy. Oh my goodness! And past Christian trying to beat the rain. Um, they're they're hoeing today, and that's a lot of work. But yep, you got to do it. And, and frankly, when you get accustomed to doing that, and you have rows that can be hoed, it's not that difficult of a process as long as you do it frequently. Um, one of my images of my grandfather who taught me how to garden that I will have forever, and I mean I have a lot of them. You know, I see him in his suit going to church. I'd see him in his work clothes. I mean, he he was a, a dispatcher for the railroad, so he would dress very nicely for that. But I can also see him in suspenders and a pair of gray pants and a shirt that looked like it had seen better days with a hoe in his hand and a hat on, by the way. Um, and with a hoe in his hand, just going down, walking through the the backyard, walking through the garden, the vegetable part and the flower part, just cutting those weeds off at the surface of the soil. There's something very meditative about it. There's certainly something very calming about it. <laughs> and it certainly does your garden a lot of good. So I say, Go, Papa D, y'all get them. <laughs> That's great. Oh, fun. Um, nice. Stevenson and Loosedale, first garden since he was a kid in the 70s. Nice. That looks beautiful. That's a big, nice vegetable garden. I like that. Congratulations. Really, really nice. Um, uh, um, Ken, I don't understand, but okay. Thanks for brightening in. I don't understand that. Oh, beautiful flowers. Lovely, lovely, lovely. I don't know the name of that one, but it's just gorgeous. Um, really, really pretty. I do like a, a rose bed. I like roses all through the landscape, but a nice rose bed is also fun. Woo! Seven rose hoed, two to go. <laughs> I'm glad you can. I'm glad you can do that. I think that's wonderful. I have. Uh, there are a lot of different kinds of tools called hoes. Now my favorite one is a classic it was in fact my grandfather's has a very narrow blade on it but hula hoes are fun i have one of those it's handy in some places and then there's also what i call a chopping hoe which is one with a much bigger blade that frankly when you're you're trying to wipe out the uh, population of Oh good grief! I don't know dollar weed or, or or something else that's gotten gotten ahead of you. That's a really good one to use for that because it has a bigger space and it digs a little deeper. It, the way you the way you use any tool really does determine how well it can work, and that one's built for a little bit more work. Interestingly enough, um, a little bit more about the surfer science. First of all, you maybe think I'm talking about California. I'm not. This was in the UK. Yes, they surf there. Um, near Plymouth. And what they did was to do this study where they go out and swab the, the surfboards to see whether they can get them to be, get it to be a citizen science project so that over time, just like we have the great bird count, citizen scientists can go out and, and do this on a particular day and basically over year over year. Figure out how much the microscopic life is doing okay, how much is not doing okay, what, what the basis of it is. It's a different form of water sampling than we have done before, and I think it's really, really smart. Now, using citizen scientists is not unusual, and some people would say, well, why don't we just have professionals? Because there's a lot of things that people are rabid and passionate about that they don't work at for a living, but they want to be part of that community. They want to make sure that other birders are getting the information that they've got. And in this case, they examined the accuracy of the information produced by citizen science apps for monitoring bird populations. Turns out it's pretty good. Turns out the people that are interested in doing this, its if you're interested enough to go get the app and go and count the birds and go and do that, you're going to be one of those people that wants it to be right. Okay. Um, I'm having some trouble with Wordle today. I'm 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 up to three and I haven't I'm not even close. For those of you who don't know what Wordle is, you have five guesses to guess what today's word is. And if that sounds like the most boring thing in the world, that's what I have to remember is that not everybody even cares about this. <laughs> so the very small percentage of us who play word games, this is a word game that is fun. And if I can get it in three I feel great. If I can get it in four I feel even you know, I feel all right. But oh my goodness, I'm sitting there waiting today and it's that same sort of thing. If you want to know if something's good, you have to send it out to a lot of people. And in the case of an app, you send it out to a lot of people. They tell you what the bird is. They tell you it does work. They tell you it doesn't work. And that's how we know which ones are absolutely going. This is the eBird app that they've been studying. Of course, that's from Cornell. I told you about it before. And it's been around forever. And it helps both Cornell and us to keep track of what birds we're seeing. I'm one of those people who can't see that far and never have been able to see into the tree to pick out the bird. I have to have a long lens in order to even do that. So I'm particularly happy that people are um, doing, that people are doing some looking for me, giving me the chance to keep up with it. Reggie's in New Albany having some trouble with tomatoes. The top leaves are rolling up up into balls on top. There are a couple of things that that can be an issue from. If you're growing the tomatoes in the same soil that you grew them in last year, that kind of curling can be telling you that you shouldn't have done that. Um, But there there are a couple of other things that that might be causing that. But if, if that's not what you did... Let me get some information for you, and we'll be talking about it as we come up into the next hour. Tomatoes are p- troublesome. I have one in my, my patch that just looks like it doesn't want to make, and yet it's made the biggest tomatoes yet. Some days are better than others in tomato world. This is Weekend Gardening.
0: After a winter storm hits your propane-fueled home, look for the following safety stops. Power lines standing strong. Gas lines and tanks in place and undamaged. Chimneys, flues, and gas pipes, meters, regulators, and vents clear of snow and ice. Clear away ice and snow very carefully. High winds can shift snow and ice, creating hazardous situations by covering equipment. If you notice anything unusual, leave and have the property checked by a qualified service technician before returning. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com to learn more.
1: garden mama here for lakeland yard and garden to ask you why do we garden anyway are you looking for a beautiful retreat where you can get away from it all seeking to reduce stress To have a home you can really enjoy and invite friends over? Lakeland Yard and Garden is ready to help with your garden paradise. In addition to being a complete nursery, greenhouse, and garden shop, Lakeland offers patio furnishings, including couches, chairs, tables, and much more. Let the professionals at Mississippi's largest garden center help you get away from it all right there in your own backyard. Why do we garden? Because we love it. We love the outdoors, and yes, we too want to get away from it all sometimes. Lakeland Yard and Garden is celebrating 43 years of serving all your garden needs. We're growing your way at Lakeland Yard and Garden. Lakeland Drive at Airport Road.
0: Listening to WFMN Flora Jackson. Super Talk Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. Online at Barone'sTreePros.com.
6: It's Lisa Arbuckle, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Family Dollar has announced that it'll be closing the rodent infested Arkansas distribution center that sent contaminated products to hundreds of stores across the South, including Mississippi. Fox's Tom Rigotti has more. More than a thousand rodents were discovered by FDA inspectors at the West Memphis, Arkansas facility in February after the agency received a consumer complaint. That forced the recall of items from hundreds of stores and the closure of over 400 stores in six southern states. Products removed from store shelves included everything from people and pet food to cosmetics, as well as medical devices and over-the-counter meds. Family Dollar says it's not aware of any illnesses relating to the recall. The company says the distribution center will be shuttered by the end of October, affecting approximately 300 employees. To read more about the infestation at the Family Dollar Distribution Center in Arkansas, go to supertalk.fm.
8: Helping Mississippians with disabilities prepare for the job market as well as live independently in their homes and communities, this is what we do at the Mississippi Department of Rehab Services. Hi, I'm Chris Howard, Executive Director. The resources provided through our office helps families by providing things like personal care attendants, home modifications, career guidance and counseling, job supports, and so much more. You'll never know how we might be able to help you until you connect with us. Please visit mdrs.ms.gov to find an office closest to you.
1: The Biden
7: administration wants to conserve 30% of the nation's land and water by 2030. The U.S. is one of more than 50 countries that have committed to what's referred to as the 30 by 30 plan. Andy Berry is the vice president of the Mississippi Cattlemen's Association.
8: So, what that's going to do is restrict grazing, uh, restrict the use of water for crops or for livestock. For the vast majority of this country, now, a lot of this is going to be out west, and it doesn't directly affect our producers here in Mississippi, but it affects
7: our industry. He calls it an unfair war on their industry. We are the original climate conservators. We're sustainable in what we do. We take care of our land and our resources. If we're not, we won't be in business next year. Barry says cattle are the only protein source that can take grass and turn it into a highly viable protein source for consumers. For Super Talk Mississippi News, I'm Kelly Bennett. From Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon
9: Williams. Baseball action last night saw Mississippi State play better against Tennessee, but the Bulldogs came up short again as Tennessee came back on the Bulldogs and won four to three. Tennessee improves to 48-7, 24-5. State falls to 26-29, 9-20 in the Southeast Conference. The last game of the regular season is today at 2 o'clock in Starville, 1.30 airtime on the OSU Baseball Network. Ole Miss took on Texas A&M and clobbered the Aggies 14-6. The Rebels now 32-20, 14-15 in the Conference. Aggies fall to 34 17 18 11. They'll play game three at 131st pitch in Oxford, 1 o'clock airtime on the Ole Miss Baseball Network. Southern Miss took on Middle Tennessee in game two of their series and won 17 to nothing. The Eagles are 40 and 14, 22 and 7, and they'll play their last game of the regular season today at 1 o'clock. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi.
0: Hello, everyone. I'm Bob. Welcome to the digging safety class.
10: Hey, Bob.
0: You're here because you got caught digging before calling 811.
8: I know, and now I'm here instead of making a living.
2: I know, man, but it's the law.
0: So let's get started. This is a shovel.
2: Huh?
9: Hello, I'm Sam
8: Johnson from Mississippi 811. Please call 811 two working days before you dig.
9: It's the law, and it's just the right thing to do. The 2022 Boo Ferris Trophy representative of the best baseball player in the state of Mississippi will be announced on Monday. 17 different players from 8 different schools received votes for the Ferris Trophy. The finalists will be at the attendance of the trophy presentation on Monday at the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame Museum. The trophy is presented by the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians in the Pearl River Resort and Ron Polk will be the guest speaker for the event on Monday. The finalists are Ole Miss Lugger Tim Elko, Mississippi State infielder R.J. Yeager, Southern Miss right-hander Tanner Hall, right-handed pitcher Harrison Haley from Delta State, and Bell Haven's Brett Sanchez will be the finalists in attendance to the presentation of the Ferris Trophy on Monday. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi.
0: to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you.
1: Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Sometimes y'all just crack me up. This, the text line today is, thankfully, lit up. And y'all are having a good day. I'm, I enjoy it so much, and, and y'all are so much fun. Please weigh in I'll. I promise to tell you all the things that are appropriate for a family audience. Six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five is indeed the ceasefire text line. My name's Nellie Neal. Welcome in. Thank you very much for being a gardener, a radio person, and well up on a Saturday morning. That all works for me. The Super Talk call line is available to you triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven. So now we're talking about Wordle. <laughs> Y'all are so much fun. This is great. I knew there'd be somebody out there that liked it besides me. Oh my goodness, Ken. I, I honestly, I'm trying really hard to wade through this, but I honestly don't. I don't. I don't know if anybody does know the difference, and I certainly have not had either one of them, so I can't tell you myself. Okay. Anyway, uh, back to the why did the tomatoes, tomato plants curl up into balls on the top. If it's not the same soil that you grew in before, if if you do that you're getting root knot nematodes and unfortunately when you pull the plants up, the, the root knot nematode will make itself apparent but you won't know it until then. That's why we rotate tomatoes to another place. We also do the same thing with butter beans after the second year. We do it up with tomatoes after the first. There just are things in the soil that we don't want to build up in the root zone of the plants that we're trying to grow sometimes and in this case the tomatoes could do that. But tomatoes um can can also curl up that can make balls of out of their leaves on top from both hot and dry circumstances so if you're not irrigating those plants not watering them on a regular 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 basis because tomatoes you know if they wilt they're set back so if you're not doing that you need to do that at this point in the year if they're bearing i would just keep watering them if they're not I would cut off the damage, start fertilizing and watering and seeing if I can't get a few more cool nights that would enable me to put on some flowers before the end of the, um, the end of the weather that lets us see them and before it begins again, which will happen at the end of the summer. Okay. That's right. Temperatures in the sixties, tomatoes will still set. Toma- temperatures at night in the seventies, not so much. Cherry tomatoes more than other kinds. All right. What is on my hibiscus? Oh my goodness. The damage is a classic photograph. I could publish this in a textbook. It's so perfect. Sawfly larvae are the thing that's tearing up your, your hibiscus. None of that matters exactly, but what they do is skeletonize. They take out, they leave the veins and take out the rest of the leaf and just eat it. And when that happens, of course, your plant loses its photosynthetic surface and therefore it can't grow very well. The answer to this is a spray of Spinosad. And I like, um, there's a natural guard product called Spinosad soap that I find is very effective. It's got insecticidal soap in it and Spinosad in it. It will handle that problem. I promise. It'll do that for you. Um, Let's see. Thank you very much. Appreciate all these. Y'all are so nice. You have no idea um, how wonderful it is to know that people listen and that they will write in and say things that are both funny and a little bit, on the blue side but also just to say that they listen that means the world to me you have no idea um yeah big mike i'm i understand what you're saying big mike for those of you who don't play wordle just um sing along for a moment he tries to start every day with a word that contains at least three different vowels the idea in wordle is that we're trying to eliminate words, eliminate letters so that we can make a word that will be the word of the day. There are people who start with yesterday's word. I did that for a little while. There are people who start with, as as Mike is talking about, um, at least three different vowels if possible. I'm I'm kind of on another level with it. I'm not that practical. I'm I'm a little bit more out in, in the field with it. The world, well, field is a good one. <laughs> anyway, the words that come up for me generally have two vowels in them and, and therefore three consonants because it's a five-letter word game. And it's the word that frankly pops up into my head and causes me to open the app and put it in it there there are so many words in my head on a given day big mike and i'm sure you're the same way that i just have to pick one and go (laughs) so if i was starting right now i'm looking at the wall over here i'd probably put in super because i'm looking at everything super talk (laughs) but i've never used super maybe i'll use that tomorrow anyway fun stuff thank you very much for for letting me know that y'all are into it um Ken's on a roll today. That's absolutely wonderful. All right, now, I have got some news for you. That This is really, this is more big news. There's big news, folks. <laughs> sort of, I don't even know. I've even got a word of today that I need to bring to you. But I love the idea of animals taking care of one another in, in ways that we can relate to, because we certainly can't relate to everything. Um, but I, I think about Go into the hairdresser. You know, you go to the hairdresser, and, and they're they're doing things, and they're fiddling with your hair, and they're they're making stuff look better. And I always think about when I watch animals at the zoo do the same thing to each other. They're always taking, making this better, picking out this bug, doing this other thing. Well, I won't be able to see this one because it happens underwater. But I want to see the video. I tell you, if you what happens, what do you do when you get a rash? Something you, you rub up against something that makes you break out? Maybe it's poison ivy. uh, ah, maybe it's some other thing. Usually you're going to do something, you're going to put some kind of medicine on it so that it won't itch so badly, right? You might even have to go to the doctor to do that. The Indo-Pacific bottlenose dolphins have figured it out. They also get skin conditions. We can't ask them if they itch, but they probably do. They cue up, they line up nose to tail against the coral reef. And that's where... The substances come out of the coral that help with their skin. Their exfoliation, in turn, helps with, you know, because it's rough rough there. And both of these things, the the dolphins are using these little tiny marine invertebrates, these corals, to medicate these skin conditions. They've now been able to show that the corals have the properties that will help those itches, help those things on the dolphins. I think this is amazing. What's even more interesting to me is that it's the University of Zurich, Switzerland, studying this, in the northern Red Sea, good grief! You have to, be, you have to, you have to think of it first, and then you have to write up a proposal, and then you got to get all of this organized. They're published in I Science. Um, once the pod let this particular scientist come and visit regularly, there's a little bit of. Um, if you they don't all like the bubbles that are coming out of you know when you're snorkeling or when you're scuba diving they don't they're, they're not every group of dolphins is is interested in that but um some of them do some of them like it and what they found were that they were rubbing on there, agitating the tiny polyps and in turn those the polyps the corals were letting out a substance a, a mucus substance which in turn is getting into the skin of the dolphin i think that's great very cool stuff hello ben from george county what's going on this morning welcome into weekend gardening what's on your mind ben there Uh, there he is go ahead yes sir
4: okay this is ben hill in jones county okay uh several weeks ago i called and got some advice on some ely agnes Mm -hmm. shrubs yes I would need to know what they're in course in pots from the nursery. What fertilizer, uh, if I can find fertilizer, do I need to use on these to get them started and vibrant?
1: Alrighty, are you planting them out in the in the garden, or are you going to use them in pots?
4: I'm going to use them as a uh, as a noise barrier and a screen. That's what I screen. thought. But
1: you're going to plant them in the ground, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, the, here's the There are two things that I would do. The first is to just realize that they're going to get bigger than you think they are. And so plant them four feet apart, but some people are tempted to go closer. They're actually supposed to be farther, but since we're trying to plant a baffle, let's plant them closer together and then go and get really literally anybody's brand of shrub food, um, that, that you can find shrub and tree food that, that's at at the co-op, at the garden center. What you're trying to do is give them a complete and balanced fertilizer in a soil that is going to let them drain and also let them absorb both the fertilizer and the water that the rain gives them. And that's really the way to get them going. They can use any fertilizer that you give them, but they will do, be best served by one that is something like um, shrub and tree food. It'll probably say five eight ten or something the numbers will be uh, will not be the same necessarily but they could be it could be ten 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 that would be fine but what you're trying to do is make sure you're giving them all the nutrients as well as the minor elements that they need to grow and that's in a complete fertilizer and a balanced fertilizer i would rather see you use a granular one than a liquid one simply because it will stay in the soil longer and, uh, we may be having a very wet summer, so that's, you need it to stay in the soil as long as it can.
4: Right. Do I need when I, uh, dig the holes. Do I need to put fertilizer in the hole or just around the base of the shrub?
1: If your co-op has um, what's called an agroform, a tablet, looks like a, a, a looks like a great, I don't know how old you are, but, but fizzies, it looks like an Alka-Seltzer except it's about six times bigger. If they have that, you can put that down in the bottom of the hole, put a little soil over it and then plant the shrub on top of it and when the roots get to the, that point, they will have fertilizer that, that they're needing. So yes, if you can do that, that's great. Otherwise, just some root stimulator or compost tea after you plant, and then just regular shrub food on the ground. Okay. Okay. Very good. Thank I you. will tell thank you thank this. You I will tell you this. The first year, if if it gets super super dry, you will have to water a little bit. But after that, they should be fine on their own. Oh, okay. Very thank good. you. Appreciate so you. Yes. Need to yes. watch the moisture. Yeah, just particularly the, this first summer because everything dries out a little too much the first year. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate okay. you. I do love Jones County. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's see now. What is up? With the, the, y'all have got so many things going on. This is fun. Will um, What flowers can go around the bottom of roses to fill in the bottom but are also annuals with six or seven hours of sunlight a day? My, um, my real suggestion for this is always going to be something low-growing. And for that reason, in the summertime, I'm going to like, just for annuals, I'm really going to like moss roses and purslane and other things that just can kind of crawl over the surface of the soil. They can take six or seven hours of sunlight when bloom and be perfectly happy. But keep, keep your eye on things that are short because you don't want to... First of all, you don't want to take away from the beauty of the roses. You're just trying to cover the ground. But also, you're, you really don't want anything that's going to take up too much fertilizer or get up too close to them and therefore possibly put, um, it, you don't want there to be pests jumping off of these little plants onto your roses. So, I'm going to go for something that's about four inches tall. And a good choice would be moss roses or purslane. Both of those will do fine, and they don't—they don't really take up much water and fertilizer themselves, so they won't take away from the roses too much. Okay, okay. Um, Let's see. (laughs) I'll do that, Mike. Thank you. Um, Let's see. Do 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 do. I don't know what the question is here. This is something about corn stalks, and um, maybe half of one row of them is tasseling. Well, it's getting to be that time, but if it's only half of the row and they shouldn't be doing that, chances are real good it's very dry on that end. Check that out first, okay? And let me know if there's something else going on that I I can't make out from this particular text. All right, all right. (laughs) Thank you very much. Mike in houston what's on your mind sir what's going on today hey mike hi what's up
2: well i'm trying to figure out what's wrong i've got uh amaryllis planted Mm -hmm. they're not blooming
1: all right when did you plant them
2: oh about three years ago
1: and did they bloom last year
2: no blooms. Nothing but the, uh, the leaves come up.
1: Okay. Is the neck of the bulb standing up above ground level, or is it buried?
2: Um, <clears throat> excuse me, not really sure.
1: Okay, take a look that at bulb. that if if the neck of the bulb is down below ground level or if the leaves are so crowded that you can't find the center of it, then it's too crowded and too and it's sunk. And that that'll tell you that it's time to dig and divide those bulbs, carefully of course because they're big, you don't want to cut into them, and then you can spread them around a little bit. Otherwise, if it's in the shade, they need more light. Um, but but probably more, what happens more often than not is that we either bury them by planting them too deep or they just sink. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry to make so uh, much work for you. That's
2: all right. I'll just see if I can raise them up a little bit.
1: Okie dokie. And you may need to separate them and spread them out a little bit, too, for next year.
2: All right. All righty. Thank you, very much.
1: Thank you so much. Show. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I do love some amaryllis. Really, really do very, very much. Um, One of the things that always happens in the Amaryllis world is that once you start with something, if everybody knows you like Amaryllis, suddenly you have 20 or 30 of them. I have a neighbor that I've watched. um, She doesn't know me, but I know her. I know that somebody gives her an Amaryllis literally every Christmas and Mother's Day because through the years, there's been there were two or three up by the house and now they go all the way down (laughs) the side. It's really pretty. It's lovely. But. I can see that somewhere along the way she did she did move them a, a, and separate them out because they were in one spot, they got crowded, and now they're all over the place. They're very pretty. Lovely, love, love, love amaryllis. Yeah, we're going to self-medicate our skin ailments if we're dolphins. That's pretty good. Fun stuff. Speaking of, of fixing things and fixing ourselves, another bit of hard, hot news that I don't understand why everybody's not talking about it I did not know this. First of all, I recognize that there's hearing loss due to aging. If you um, if, if you you know, it can also be the result of too much noise in your head over too many years. In other words, you work in a noisy environment and you can't hear properly. There's also some diseases, some some illnesses and some treatments for them that can cause you to lose your hearing because we haven't been able to figure out how to get the re- how to reprogram the existing cells much less how to regenerate them. So, here's the thing. What happens in there, those sensory cells in your ear are what can't work anymore. And it can just be age or it can be one of these other causes. The good news is we have now figured out the single gene that programs these ear sensory cells. How cool is that? It's such a great time to be alive. It's wonderful to be a gardener. It's wonderful to be able to say, you know, if you can't hear me today, maybe you're going to be able to hear me better tomorrow. Stick around. We got a ways to go here on Weekend Gardening.
8: Helping Mississippians with disabilities prepare for the job market as well as live independently in their homes and communities, this is what we do at the Mississippi Department of Rehab Services. Hi, I'm Chris Howard, Executive Director. The resources provided through our office helps families by providing things like personal care attendants, home modifications, career guidance and counseling, job supports, and so much more. You'll never know how we might be able to help you until you connect with us. Please visit mdrs.ms.gov to find an office closest to you.
7: This is Michael Cassidy. I've spent my career as a fighter pilot in the Navy, and now I'm running for Congress in the Republican primary here in Mississippi's 3rd District. Our district represents the best of America. We're pro-life, pro-American, and pro-Trump. But Congressman Guest has not upheld these principles. Congressman Guest voted to give 1.1 billion of your taxpayer dollars to Planned Parenthood, the nation's largest abortion provider. He's voted to bring in an unlimited number of foreign workers that take our jobs and suppress our wages. And he was one of the few Republicans to join Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats in voting for the January 6th Commission. Unlike Guest, I oppose sending even one penny of your money to Planned Parenthood. I support securing our border, limiting foreign worker visas, a moratorium on legal immigration, and banning foreign ownership of U.S. land. I'll fight to fix our country's broken election system and get President Trump back in the White House in 2024. I'm Michael Cassidy, a pro-Trump, America first Republican running for Congress, and I approve this message.
0: Paid for by Michael Cassidy for Congress.
7: Hi,
2: I'm David
5: Frederick, owner of Frederick Sales and Service in Brandon. For more than 27 years, we've been selling and servicing Exmark mowers here in central Mississippi. Whether you have a city lot, a country estate, or a large institutional property, Exmark has a mower to fit your needs. I invite you to come by and check out all of what Exmark and Fredericks has to offer. With special financing available, we have mowers in stock and ready for you. Fredericks Sales and Service the choice in outdoor equipment, serving you since 1993.
0: The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at Fourth and Gold Sports Cafe. Homestyle plates full of catfish, shrimp and rib tips, just to name a few. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or Grubhub. Call 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283. Now, more than ever, it's important to keep your vehicle in top shape. Let us keep you road ready at Cannon Eason of Jackson. Our parts and service departments are open six days a week, and no appointment is needed. Nobody beats a Cannon deal. Nobody.
9: Open Memorial Day.
2: What if there was a paint that could awaken something as old as that Rip Van Winkle guy? Hey, what? Because it could adhere to the most weathered exteriors and completely restore its youth.
0: Hey, there's hair! head again
2: if a paint could give any time-worn surface stunning new life is it still paint regal select exterior from benjamin moore paint like no other seabrook
8: paints
7: in jackson and ridgeland visit seabrookpaints.com
2: research
4: shows moving is one of life's most stressful events but thanks to two men in a truck ridgeland it doesn't have to be we have everything you need A professional team who will customize your move, a schedule to fit your convenience Monday through Saturday, and all of the necessary moving supplies, including free padding and stretch wrap to protect your belongings. Don't stress. Let Two Men in a Truck handle your home or business moving needs. Visit twominitatruck.com for a free no-obligation estimate.
1: Something about that. Just just enough, you want to be driving down the road, don't you? This is weekend gardening. Some questions that have come in in the last couple of minutes here on the text line. Um, beautiful Delphinium larkspur from Allen and pontotoc I love those flowers. Just lovely, lovely, lovely. Thank you very, very much. Um, corn stalks. Okay, here we go. What about the corn? Corn stalks are yellowing. Both of the rows were tasseling with three inches of rain last Friday and Sunday. There might be something other than dryness to cause that. No standing water to scald the stalks. Well, yeah, sometimes they, I, I don't, this is not a technical thing, but I have seen corn and some other things in that sort of um, so rapidly growing, you can hear them grow overnight if you're out there in the middle of the night watching them. Some of these things that grow so fast literally just grow themselves out. And I expect that it, the the yellowing is, we've we've used, if, if you don't see any bugs and you're not seeing any streaking like rust or anything like that in a grass type plant, then you're, you're probably, um, you're, you're more than likely, I should say, not necessarily probably, but you're more than likely looking at, they've used up their fertilizer and they're going to tassel. But something is, if they're not, if they're too short to be making their tassels in their ears, then the issue is that they're not growing fast enough. They may, it may have been that they got so wet, that they couldn't take up any more water out of the soil. Odd as that seems, that's the way it works. But it's also possible that they've just used up their fertilizer that was available. And generally speaking, if it's a standard sized corn, we are advised to fertilize before we plant, we fertilize, and then again at knee high and hip high. Now, obviously, if it's a, a corn that's going to be a real short corn, it's a, the the differences are less. But there are three fertilizing efforts made on most corn crops. I hope some of that helps. I don't know why they would turn yellow unless they had no fertilizer or too much water. Not, the drought part wouldn't, would not have done that for them to me. Back to the telephones now and uh, on to Eupora. Let's see. Welcome in, Ted. Thanks for calling. It's on, Your gardenia is on your mind, huh? yes ma'am yes I got sir go two ahead
4: gardenia bushes i got two little gardenia bushes and they're about two years old but they don't look like they've grown up very much they're about two feet high and they haven't bloomed yet now i got them uh got some pine straw around them and all but i hadn't fertilized them uh, what would you recommend that i could do
1: all right what are they growing around are they growing near azaleas or camellias or are they growing what's with them
4: they grow in by themselves. They're okay. Kind of almost almost under a crabapple tree, and then in they in the wide open in the front yard.
1: Okay. And All I right. got
4: the other one at the end of the deck. And
1: okay. Uh, then I think you can just go and get yourself some fertilizer that's made for acid-loving plants. Um, it's going to be a bag of stuff or or a box, and you'll use it now and use it again maybe in about three or four weeks because I think we're going to have a lot of rain and <laughs> it'll all get used up but use it and go ahead and get them get them growing And then next year they should have flowers on them. I'd be surprised if they didn't. But you can, if you get a fertilizer that's made for gardenias and azaleas and camellias, it's a fertilizer that you can store readily for a couple of years if you need to in a bag in the garage, you know, and use it again and again. But you don't have to get a huge bag of it. It isn't going to take that much for just a few bushes. Do get that particular one, though, because it's the fastest way to get them what they need without redoing your soil. And since they're in several places, we don't want to have to do that. Just get them some fertilizer that's made for camellias, azaleas, gardenias, and hollies. It's an acid-loving fertilizer. Get one that's a granular that you'll work into the soil around the base of the plant. And let me know how they look. I bet you they're going to start growing.
4: Okay. And right. then I, got a, I had an apple tree, and it died, and I, I cut it down even with the ground, but then over a little, i got four little apple trees. It's about two years old, and one's about three feet high, and the other's about two feet high, and the other's about two, uh, one foot high. When could I transplant those somewhere?
1: If you want to do it this year, I would hurry up, because it's going to get really hot pretty soon. If you want to go ahead and plant them, do it now. Otherwise, grow them on like they are and and do it in the late fall. It's going to be really hot on young plants here in a minute. (laughs) I can set my watch. (laughs) End of May, it's going to be hot. So go ahead and get them done if you want, or plan to hold them until the fall. Okay? Okay.
4: Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Enjoy your show. Thank you very
1: much. So glad to hear from you, Pora, today. Appreciate you. Thank you. There are, um, Corinne's in Jackson. She's on the text line. She's got one fig. (laughs) it's a young tree and yes if you can go ahead and pick that one off and to to encourage when when we do this we're we're taking off that one fruit to encourage the rest of the plant to grow and since it's only made one fig you may get a little growth you may get another fig before the end of the year into the summer i mean but in it's okay to go ahead and take that off yes (laughs) we call that we call that early pruning and um and sometimes we have to take off half of the fruits of something so that the rest of them can continue to make. But in this particular case, yes, you will get more growth on the plant if it's not trying to sustain the fig. It's the same reason why, for example, someone called me this week and said, I've got all these irises that have just finished blooming. They're beautiful. But do I take the seed heads? Do I take the stems off when the seed heads make?" Yes. If you don't cut the irises to use them for the vase, you can certainly – Leave them, and if you want seeds, yes, but more than likely you don't. So cut those off because the energy the plant uses to make those seed heads goes away from the energy to make the leaves, and we certainly much more want the leaves, okay? Okay. Um, let's see. There's a... <laughs> oh, Trey, that's funny. I'm sorry. Y'all excuse me. Y'all are cracking me up today. Back to the phone lines. Go to Harrison County and talk to Jody. What's going on today, Jody? Hello, Jody. Hey, Miss Nellie. What's going on today? Um, okay, well, uh, just a real short
4: explanation. Uh, my health went down over the last couple of years to that. Uh, we were really worried about stroke and heart attacks and stuff, but I... I've been able to get control of that. Now I'm the healthiest I've ever been in my life.
9: Thank goodness. But in
4: the, pro- <laughs> in the process of all this nutritional stuff I've learned and uh, I do intermittent fasting and all that, I have come across a lot of contradictive stuff concerning beans and the lectins and stuff like that in Isn't
1: there. that the truth?
4: Uh, <laughs> yeah, so w- what's your opinion? I mean, I've got more beans than I'm going to be
8: able to, I probably had enough stored by for three years. It's just unbelievable. Are they green uh, beans? Oh, I've got. Is that what we're talking been,
1: about?
4: I've got all kinds of beans, Miss Nellie. I mean, every kind you can imagine: limas, peas, snap uh, beans, everything.
1: Okay. Well, and they all have a different role to play in your health. Um, I'm I, I know more than I should know in in some things, some parts of this, but somebody's gonna correct me also um if you are having issues if, if you're having things where you're being told to eat a lot more protein you can eat beans but you should be eating and you should be eating the, the really protein rich beans as opposed to eating green beans now you're not going to be eating them out of a can for instance but what people will do in, in terms of eating green beans who still like the taste of them sometimes the diet will allow you to pickle them or the food plan. I hate to call it a diet because there's the word die in there. For me, it's always a food plan. Stole that from Richard Simmons years ago. But if if you can consider which ones are which, because they're not, they may all be legumes, but they don't act the same way in your digestive system. For example, peas are generally the harder to digest than green beans, but green beans are harder to digest, for example, than some of the Um, Some of the butter beans, not, not the big old butter beans, but it really depends on your process and how much protein you're supposed to be getting as opposed to how much carbohydrate they take a longer time to dissolve in your body and to digest, which is why we eat beans so that we don't feel hungry later but if your issues are around getting ready to do intermittent fasting you may or may not want beans in there <laughs> so it's very individual each one is different i don't have any articles to point you to but i'd be more than happy to continue this correspondence in an email fashion cuz i got a lot to say that is it's going to take forever there's differences between all of them and some things are better for one kind of treatment than for another that's about all I can tell you. Will you send me an email? Yes, ma'am. Okay, mama on Air at yahoo.com. M-A-M-A on air at yahoo.com. And I'll be, I'll be able to read that and, and bring you some pieces of information that I have. Okay, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Good to hear from you. Take care. I'm glad to know that you're doing so much better. I probably need to get advice from you in, in the reality of it all because guess what? Good health is for all of us. For true. Let's see. Rita in Philadelphia, let's talk blueberries. What's on your mind today, Rita? Well, Garden
10: Mama, I appreciate you taking my call. I have two blueberry bushes. Uh, one blooms every year and produces fruit. The other one, doesn't bloom, doesn't produce anything. And I'm not sure what to add to the soil around. They're about five, six feet apart.
1: Mm-hmm. Are they two different varieties?
10: They are two different varieties, yes.
1: Okay. And the one that doesn't make fruit, um, is it supposed to be earlier or later than the other one?
10: Uh, uh, they're suppo- I, I, my memory tells me that they were supposed to be about the same time.
1: Okay. Well, in that case, let's talk fertilizer. Because if, if you had one that was supposed to be an early bloomer, I would tell you that you might be getting bloom but not pollination. So in in the case of they're supposed to be doing it at the same time and one of them is, then we've obviously got that covered. What do you fertilize with?
10: Um, just your regular garden
1: okay well let's go in a different direction um, I, if, if if they were mine and this is what I do to mine I hardly fertilize my my mature blueberries but I did add I, I propagated some a few years ago and as I've been growing them I have literally done two different fertilizer things to them in the springtime while they're growing like now you know because they were they were not bearing until this year um, I, I would give them a little bit of something fairly heavy in nitrogen. That is to say, um, a, a fertilizer that's 10-5-5 or 10 2 I think was one that I found one year. If you can find one that is also made for acid-loving crops, that's great, all right? But if you can't, it doesn't matter because you're going to come back again in the summer and fertilize with an organic nitrogen fertilizer which is going to acidify the soil and is also going to give them the nitrogen that they need to make a really healthy plant during the summer which is capable of making fruit next year so fertilize now with any any fertilizer that's got everything in it that, that again we're talking about complete fertilizers nitrogen phosphorus potassium and some kind of some indication of trace elements on that label and then this summer organic nitrogen something like cottonseed meal or you may have a compost you may have another fertilizer that you like but that's going to make the difference what we're trying to do now is just get them on the right path and then this summer we want to push that leaf growth and get them get them to have plenty of leaves for next year
10: okay all right sounds good and then the other question I have is, I do have crepe myrtles, and I've heard you talk about it. The little fungus, the, the stuff that grows, yeah, on the crepe
1: the crepe myrtle bark scale.
10: Yeah, well, and, and I didn't know. Do I get that? I have tried getting the stuff off over the years, but mm-hmm. they're large
1: trees, so it's, it's very hard a to a do. It's very hard to do. How are they? Are they okay? Are they blooming and all that?
10: They bloom but they they're not over
1: blooming. They are yeah. the um the white ones. The natches. Mm-hmm. The
10: natches. Yeah. And they I mean they bloom but
1: Well not, and of course that, that also then their peeling bark doesn't happen because of those nasty bugs. <laughs> so they're not as pretty as they should be. Um I'm gonna encourage you to go online and go to msucares.com. That's the Mississippi State University Cooperative Extension Service. Their website is msucares.com. Then in the the search bar on the front page, put in crepe myrtle bark scale, and you will learn more than you want to know about it. But it's important because they got good pictures. It's it's Dr. Blake Layton's work and, and some really, really informative, really good information about it. I have to tell you, That if you don't want to treat them, and and, and sometimes it doesn't even work when you do, but if you don't want to treat them for several years, it's time to replace the tree. And I hate to say that because Natchez can be such a gorgeous, gorgeous tree. But don't cut it down before you go and look up what you might be able to do to get some help to fix it. Okay? May or may not work. May or may not work. But it's worth a try, so give it a look. All right? Dr. Blake Layton. Thank you, ma'am. Let me know what you decide because I always want to know about that. Okay. thing. Thank, Thank you so much. We need to get away because um, our, our friend Stevie's here to talk. All right. Don't be worried. Stick around. This is weekend gardening. Just
9: the things not but don't you worry about a thing. Don't you worry about a thing.
10: I think the teacher's asleep. Looks like
2: he's dreaming. Man, I can't wait to hang up my team mascot. (laughs) I I think he's having a nightmare.
6: No. This is part of his lesson plan. He's trying to show us that calling
8: Mississippi 811 before you dig is so easy, you can do it with your eyes closed. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. Helping Mississippians with disabilities prepare for the job market as well as live independently in their homes and communities, this is what we do at the Mississippi Department of Rehab Services. Hi, I'm Chris Howard, Executive Director. The resources provided through our office helps families by providing things like personal care attendance, home modifications, career guidance and counseling, job supports, and so much more. You'll never know how we might be able to help you until you connect with us. Please visit mdrs.ms.gov to find an office closest to you. Bob Honda is the place in Mississippi for Honda Certified Pre-Owned. Honda
10: True Certified Plus guarantees you get all the benefits of joining the Honda family.
9: Thanks to our extensive warranty, every Honda Certified Pre-Owned vehicle comes with peace of mind. And
10: a thorough, multi-point inspection with a downloadable vehicle report from Honda.
9: So you see what we see.
10: Find us online at BobWhiteHonda.com.
0: Or swing by and let's get you a Deal. Deal
1: garden mama here for lakeland yard and garden now is the time to get to lakeland yard and garden for the largest selection of patio furniture and accessories for outdoor and indoor living areas lakeland has everything you need from umbrellas and replacement cushions to beautiful fountains and stepping stones you'll find komodo joe grills yeti coolers and great collegiate gift items The expert staff at Lakeland is happy to guide you through their large nursery stock of bedding plants, perennials, tropicals, and more. Be sure to get your soils and mulches. Many are sold by the bag or in bulk, and Lakeland Yard and Garden even offers local delivery. Lakeland Yard and Garden, growing your way and serving you for over 43 years. Listen to your mama now and call 601-939-7304. Visit online at lakelandyardandgarden.com and stop by Lakeland Yard and Garden, Lakeland Drive at Airport Road.
7: Here in Mississippi, we believe that life is precious and must be protected. But Congressman Guest voted twice to give $1.1 billion of your tax dollars to Planned Parenthood, the nation's largest abortion provider. I'm Michael Cassidy, and my promise to you is that unlike Congressman Guest, I will never vote to give even a penny in taxpayer funding to Planned Parenthood. I'm Michael Cassidy a pro-life Republican candidate for Congress, and I approve this message.
0: Paid for by Michael Cassidy for Congress.
8: I'd like to be
4: under the sea In an octopus's garden in the shade He'd let us in, knows where we've been in his octopus's garden, in the shade, I'd ask my
8: friends
1: to come and see. I'm so glad that you all decided to be my friends today and come along and check out Weekend Gardening. Thank you so much for that. I don't know if any of you like me were so surprised when we heard Richard Starkey, that would be Ringo Star, when we heard him sing the first time. It was very surprising. We didn't know he could sing. We knew he could drum, we didn't know he could sing. And there you there you have it. I don't know if he was intended to be a singer, but he certainly did a good job of it. Joe and Madison's on the Ceasefire Text line wants to know about charcoal grill ash. The good news is that you can certainly use it. The bad news is you don't want to use a whole lot of it. uh, For example, you can put wood ash of any sort up to an inch a year on the soil around plants that are not acid-loving plants. In other words, not the azalea, camellia, holly, gardenia, group, blueberries. Don't put them around blueberries. But if you've got a a charcoal in in a char, not just the ash itself, but you've actually got the charcoal left, And that's okay, too. You can use it as an amendment. It's getting close to biochar. It's not quite there, but it's getting close. And it will help you with um, that that particular effort to amend the soil with something that's going to be rich and also be, quite frankly, um, nutritious for the soil, at the same time breaking it up a little bit, which charcoal can do. Beautiful begonia in concrete. That is so cute. I love it when the house and the driveway meet. And one day you look out there and there's no soil visible, but there's a plant coming up in it. It's just so wonderful, the indomitable plant. In this case, a dragon leaf begonia, really, really lovely. I've, I love seeing that. Um, every now and then, someone will send me a picture of those, and I did collect them for a while because they were so fun um, just to have around. And and we we just we don't look we don't share that sort of stuff as much as we did. We need to do that more, I think. Jackie's in Brandon with uh, bearded iris questions. This is a really interesting take on bearded iris. The um, she transplanted them last year and they got enough sun. They're separated, but they didn't bloom. So the question is, there's one purple bloom. Why are they not blooming? And what should I do? Uh, should I cut them back? Don't cut the leaves back. Yes, you can cut the flower stalk down because that'll help produce more leaves in it from the from the base of the plant. In the case of bearded iris, they are a little bit different than the others, and I have trouble with this myself. I plant them correctly so that part of their rhizome is above ground. At the base of that bunch of leaves is this fat rhizome, and part of that's got to get sunlight, or the flowers won't bloom, and indeed, the rhizomes themselves can get rot and get borers and all kinds of other problems that that take them apart. That's the food source for the iris that Survive that 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 sustains rather the leaves, but also makes the flowers bloom. So if you don't have a little bit of that rhizome in the sun, pull the mulch away, grow them that way this year, and you'll have flowers next year. It's a it's a question of Ringo can't sing. Y'all are terrible. He sure can. He sings better than a lot of the people that I've been in the choir with in my life. (laughs) What about you? (laughs) Anyway, we all sing in our own way, don't we? Well, maybe not. Maybe you're better. Maybe you're nicer than I am. I sing even though I can't sing. Um, I, I have a word of the week for you. One to hang on with and maybe use at dinner tonight if you can find a way to do it. And the word is synodocytes. That's right. Starts with a C and then an N. And ah, you won't find that in Wordle. Synodocytes, stinging cells. That's what the jellyfish has that you don't have. How about that? There's a lot of them, too, by the way. This is apparently a big year for, uh, for our, our friends, the jellyfish. When your mama tells you to, to not forget to wear your flip-flops into the ocean. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what that is. Mary's and Clinton has sent me a photo, and um, I'm not sure what that is. I can't, I can't quite make it out but i will try and figure it out here in the next couple of minutes cuz i don't have very much longer ah I just realized that again if you want the container gardening handout if you would like information about subscribing to the garden mama weekly if you just have a question mama on air at yahoo.com in my case mama is always spelled m a m a now dogs work so hard I have, I have dogs, I have, the, the dog that, that sleeps a lot in my, my room um, is a delightful rescue dog. Yesterday was National Rescue Day, Dog Day, from what I understand. And if you ever wonder whether you rescue the dog or the dog rescues you, then you know what I'm talking about. Um, some of them, however, are very, very smart and can be trained to do important things like from the University of Helsinki. Recent studies confirming what they had attempted to do and have shown us here just lately, their scent detection dogs, you know, you think of them as the drug sniffing dogs in the airport. Well, in fact, they can be taught to identify a coronavirus infection from a skin swab. Wouldn't that be great? If you could just do that on your way in the airport, and you wouldn't have to take all those tests and whatnot, you would know whether or not you you needed to get on the plane or didn't. It's an experiment that they set up there. The accuracy of the dogs there at the airport was 92%. That's better than some of the tests. (laughs) Tells us what we need to be paying attention to. We really need to be paying attention to it. I like that. Important to know about. Now, you know... Some days I give you things to think about. Some days I give you things to laugh about, I hope. And today I want to leave you with this. (laughs) What is your favorite pet? Okay. Well, I would have to say that mine are the bees that I plant my whole garden around. And that's the reason I'm so excited about doing this urban pollination garden. But it turns out that satellites and drones can actually help them. And indeed, just as we've talked about knowing the whole business of the the little teeny tiny drones that can actually go in and pollinate the plants, a new study examines new ways of using the techniques to track the availability of flowers. And indeed, that plus some behavioral studies can help us understand the world of insects a lot better. That'll bring them to our gardens a little bit more. Pollinators, of course, provide benefits called ecosystem (laughs) services i've never seen that term before but i love it and they do pollinate but we don't really know how that all works so we're studying it in so many many ways and we may need the satellites and the drones to help us oh good i do have time for this which is even the coup de grace of today's world okay if you're going to get that pet if you're going to get the the bees like I have, the dog like I have, the ladybugs like I have, by the way, that from the way that they're clustering, I think I'm raising more of them than anything else. Thankfully, they eat more aphids than I do, certainly. It turns out, though, that animal fairs and pet markets are not just the place to go and get maybe a ferret, maybe a cat, maybe a bunny, maybe a praying mantis. What? Mm hmm. That's right. Strange, nerdy, you name it. But people have already swapped their other caged pets for praying mantises or, as they're known, stick insects. Some of these things are beautiful. Some of them are rare. And frankly, some of them don't need to be at my house. From the Journal of Orthoptera Research. I don't know. Cats and dogs and praying mantises. I'm just kind of stumped. I hope you're not stumped. I hope you're getting busy in your garden. And I'll see you here next week for more Weekend Gardening.
2: Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of Della South Communication.
1: Your business may not be a Fortune 500 company yet.
0: Come get more spring savings now at Ridgeland Mitsubishi. We're giving you more savings, more selection, and more affordable payments every single day, period. Right now, pay only $249 per month on new 2022 Mitsubishi Mirages. That's only $249 per month. And with gas prices being so high, the Mirage's 40 MPGs will keep more cash in your pocket. Plus, you can buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty from Ridgeland Mitsubishi. Think you can't get approved? Think again. Our crash specialists are standing by to get you approved today. Because 100 percent credit approval is our number one goal and we'll give you more for your trade even if you don't buy a new one from us so come in today for more spring savings at ridgeland mitsubishi when nobody walks away because everybody saves 1860 east county line road call 896 9600 today or visit ridgelandmitsubishi.com remember you're approved at ridgeland mitsubishi mitsubishi mirage 10% down to out for 72 months again for the of group a super talk mississippi <laughs> media production